0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: (laughs) hello everybody welcome to carrion cross's wrestling daily no i'm only joking um that was a mark I made. <laughs> my, me and my daughters were playing robots earlier. There you go. Oh, Genius. Wow, I love it. Genius. <laughs> you can do better anything. Than that,
0: better than that weird gimp outfit we saw
1: on my <laughs> show. <laughs> uh welcome to Wrestling Daily with Alex McCarthy, not Karrion Cross, and of course Steph yeah. Chase here on the Thursday edition, Hot on the Heels, of AEW Dynamite. Thanks for joining us once again. Apologies again. For us being a few minutes late as we were yesterday it's all my fault because my laptop is. is in disarray um my other one's getting fixed i'm left with one that's older than me and it keeps killing me so apologies <laughs> on that anyway steph how are you
0: i'm good i'm really good thank you alex um i have a new chair so this is the first show that uh, ever that i'll be comfortable during um uh, <laughs> so that's a plus uh, hoping it shows. Uh, but yeah, I'm really good. How are you? Other than I the am, computer difficulties yeah, and
1: the Sam's computer, is- computer issues. I'm all right. Uh I you know what I saw uh for Rev Pro that, you know, York Hall, Will Ospreay, gonna be there mm-hmm. next month against uh Ricky Knight Jr., right? That's gonna be big. Yeah,
0: that's huge. Huge. Yeah. So I was in Manchester on Saturday for Will Osprey's return to Rev Pro. He took on Doug Williams. It was a really great match. RPW um, And yeah, then he was uh, the challenge was laid down by Ricky Knight Jr. And as I've said on the show before, I think Ricky Knight Jr. is the absolute best in Britain right now, like yeah. future of British wrestling. Um, so this match is going to be Fantastic. They had a really good back and forth at the end of the show. um Yeah. Uh, Osprey, he has the RevPro title, but Ricky claims that he is the undisputed British championship um, after winning the Southside Heavyweight Championship tournament and bringing back the old RevPro belt. So it's a really good story and it's going to be a really good match.
1: Good to see Doug Williams back in action.
0: Yeah, he was great. He was really, really great. He he took a lot for from Osprey and he was up for everything.
1: Yeah, we had him on um, Talk Wrestling a few months ago where he was talking about wanting to get back into it and stuff. But obviously mm-hmm. the time he picked to get back into wrestling was, uh, yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. but 48-year-old Doug Williams still kicking it with Will Ospreay. That's awesome. Anyway, yeah. uh, so I just wanted to get that in there because you've been doing great things with Rev Pros. Seem like you're really enjoying it?
0: yeah i am really enjoying it um it was really cool in manchester um because like a lot of people i knew were at the show so i got to like go out into the ring and like talk with like people i actually know watching me so afterwards i could be like hey what was that like how was that but um yeah it's been really really good this weekend is my first weekend in over a month without a rev pro show as we um prepare for next week we're back at the cockpit in london um on the road to your call so yeah but last week's in manchester was the biggest show that we've done since um getting back to business biggest show i've ever like been at ever spoken in front of more the most people i've ever spoken in front of in my life so it was really really fun uh and yeah i just love it i love i love being on the road
1: yeah. Look at you on the road. I love that. Um, yeah. you know, I, I might even try and come to the York hall show, you know, um, Osprey,
0: oh, and, absolutely.
1: Osprey you know? and, uh, Ricky Knight. I think it's on a Sunday. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, Rev Pro aside, I'm sure we'll get onto that as we get closer. Sounds like a great match. Uh, but this is the day after dynamite, and you know what happens here. Uh, you guys, if you have ultra chats, please get them into us, wrestletalk.com forward slash wrestling daily. Have your hot take. Have it right on this show, right next to the hot take queen. The hot take <sighs> I think there's
0: gotta be I think there's gotta be some hot takes in this dynamite.
1: <laughs> I think there might be tonight, you know. Um, after that show, there's last night. The follow-up from Rampage, a lot to get into. But you know what we do at the top of the show, it is titular news time. And what we're going to dive into here, Steph, is the uh, apparent unhappiness between Fox and USA. Let's put it this way, Steph. If you were USA Network, looking at the balance of things, would you be happy? No.
0: No, um, I really wouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, it's... um It's funny. So, yeah, they're unhappy, obviously, because we had two big returns at SummerSlam. Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar, who both returned to SmackDown, um, it seems. And USA are probably kind of looking at their roster like, oh, uh, yeah, what? But I did see, like, we do have a... Uh, shake-up coming soon, but I don't yeah. think Brock and Becky are going to be moving, given the program soon, nope. so I don't think the shake-up's going to help at all.
1: Uh, yeah, it's um, Andrew Zarian who has been reporting the fact that apparently USA are looking at the Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar returns and saying, hmm, uh, yeah. hang on a minute, we've got nothing out of this deal. And what's funny, of course, is that Raw was the brand that had it all for years, right? If Brock ever came back, yeah. It was always on Raw. Becky, of course, on Raw before she departed to have the baby as well. And now SmackDown have picked up both. Uh, SmackDown, of course, has Roman, which is like the linchpin of the whole company. They've also got Sasha Banks, who, you know, debatably between her and Charlotte, probably before Becky came back, the top two women in the company. Obviously, Raw's got Charlotte. So SmackDown has got a lot of the top players for a two-hour show, Whereas Raw, three hour show, really needs a lot of top stars. Seems a bit bereft at the moment at the
0: top. Don't you think? Like it's very weird
1: so far. Like with us
0: being from the UK, I've always thought the American TV situation was proper strange to have one show on one station and another show yeah. on the other station because you wouldn't get that over here. Like being on Channel Four and and BBC and then advertising stuff for like the different channel. So yes. that's like always been like a weird problem and then they've got the peacock deal and that's like connected to usa network so fox are like hey why you keep promoting peacock like during smackdown that's not fair (laughs) but now usa are like hey why have we got the kind of less stacked roster than the other one so it's very hard i think for wwe to make both sides happy but certainly like bringing back Brock to go into a program with Roman on SmackDown and Becky to take the SmackDown Women's Championship. Yeah, wouldn't feel very good if you're on Raw because the the Raw roster has been pretty stale for a while. That's probably why we had to suffer Goldberg coming back for SummerSlam. Mm. Um, Yeah, so... And then SmackDown is just coming off, like, getting John Cena, even though he did make a Raw appearance, but, like, still, like, he was on SmackDown too. Uh, It just feels like, yeah, they... They kind of give the bigger stars to, to SmackDown, but they seem to, like, they should have the stronger relationship with USA.
1: Yeah. it. it I think you're, I think that's a very interesting point you make about, like, in the UK, of course, like, we just watch it. It's on BT Sport. Before that, it was just on Sky Sports. But yeah. um, as uh, Tanol makes a good point in the chat, it's kind of like how BT Sport and the Premier League have the Premier League rights, right? They have to split them. Yeah. But, you know, Sky still have the biggest and best games, mostly. They have more games than BT, so nothing's an even split. Mm. Um, and when you look at SmackDown and Raw and the deals, I know they're both kind of like billion-dollar deals, but you could argue that WWE think, and i uh, just kind of putting words in their mouths, but it seems like Fox is the bigger deal because it's in every home in America, right? Like, I don't know um yeah Fox feels
0: one. like the Fox feels like the bigger get for them but then I feel like that Fox should feel pretty shaded with them doing the whole Peacock network thing as well like this upcoming uh, when mm. they renew their rights it's going to be the most interesting rights renewal that we've seen in a long long time because you've not only got the AW competition that people are networks going to be looking at but you do also have these like weird things like the the peacock deal and stuff and then i mean there's been reports before about fox being unhappy because of peacock and then you had that bizarre um press release for the for the <laughs> vince mcmahon <laughs> so, a trial documentary where he just mm. did a swipe at rupert murdoch for no reason which i just was like dude I mean you're like you're on Fox but it's just interesting but it's just it it was kind of funny to me when I read it because when I kind of read the headline I thought it would be Fox that weren't happy again I was like oh okay no it's USA this time so it is a you can't you can't please everyone and you certainly can't even please both um your two networks it seems
1: Um, and we also saw with that do you remember around Hell in a Cell where there was a Hell in a Cell on the Friday before the pay-per-view and then Raw yeah. had a Hell in a Cell after? Like, it's really obvious that WWE are having to play like the middleman between the two networks. And they're trying to make everybody yeah. happy, which like at the expense of your product, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying those matches were of a detriment or anything. But like once networks start dictate what you're doing, I don't think that's a good position yeah. to be in at all
0: oh i thought the hell of the three hell of a cell things uh was just absolutely terrible especially Mm -hmm. the one happening like the night after the pay-per-view i think that really i mean i think we've all been saying for years that hell of a cell means nothing now but it really meant nothing now when someone had a hell of a cell match two nights in a row it's just like yeah sure like it like it was a total walk mark but I mean, I think things have been happening as far as TV deals that have been detrimental to WWE's product for a really long time. And I think now that everything seems like more of a fight because you're fighting against streaming services like Netflix and stuff like that. Yeah. um, I think even, you know more detrimental things could happen with the networks getting involved to try and, and keep these ratings. Cause even though the WWE ratings aren't what they used to be at all, they are still good ratings compared to other TV shows.
1: Yeah. Like when you look at like what's actually doing well on cable. So like yeah. comparatively WWE is still a very strong product and I can see why people yeah. spend money on them. Um, but yeah, it's funny, Lizzie Stallion says in the chat, so so out of Fox and USA, who is the side chick for WWE? Um, which I, I kind of assume would be USA. Um uh, definitely-
0: I think it's I think it's Fox because I feel like because the of peacocks, he, he- peacock it feels like WWE and um, USA have like bought a house together um, <laughs> fox is fox is like the the fancy girlfriend on the side that mm. you know, they go over you know they get dressed up for and they have a good time with but really they're, they're tied up with in a house with USA network and are like look I can't leave you completely because I've got a mortgage to deal with on the other side
1: <laughs> yeah I think um... Uh, what's WWE got left? Three years, I think, on the Fox deal. Not sure about the mm-hmm. USA one, but um it kicked off in like late two- like the last quarter of twenty nineteen, didn't it? The Fox deal. So presumably they got three more years. At that point, I'd love to see where AEW are, what their yeah. ratings are. Um, which I don't you know, WWE live in this world where it doesn't matter, but I think it will, because you know, that, that will have a direct <laughs> yep. effect a direct effect on how valuable their ratings are. Um, And AEW could be the one getting the billion dollar deals. Who knows? Uh, I I think WWE kind of this, this two pronged relationship they've got right now. Yeah. I, I don't, um, I don't see how that's really viable in the long term. Like all, all we've heard about right. You know, whether it's true or not, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say Andrew Zarian is right here is that continuing problems like one is moaning about the other consistently mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't help for USA either that NXT has not performed the way that they maybe had imagined. Um particularly yeah. obviously in the face of AW to begin with. Then they've had to move the slot. I think there's a lot of gripes, a lot of gripes to go around, but nevertheless, um
0: I mean I think like a, a bold bull prediction is that they end up losing Fox. And they end up having um, both shows in USA. But no, both shows with that network. But one of the shows becomes like a peacock only streaming thing.
1: Uh,
0: um, yeah, uh. something like I envision something bad like that happening. Where the they thing is have like, one we show about, that's actually um, on live TV.
1: Like we talk about live TV deals. I, I At this point, I really don't see AEW leaving TNT. Like, I feel like that's part no, of their fabric. No. Um, yeah. You know, and unless... You know, for some reason, Fox at the expiry of the WWE deal said, We really want AW. And they paid like ridiculous money, but I don't see it. I just feel like TNT yeah. and, and AW are so. Um, there's like some great symmetry there. We all know the historical value of wrestling on that and the fact that Tony yeah. Khan's been able to bring it back from the dead. Um, I just. I, mean, I think TNT will pay through the roof to keep it anyway. But there you go. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see, because even that has been renewed last year or earlier this year. So AW have got years to go on that deal as well, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they do, because mm. they got a an early renewal on it, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's 2023. I could be wrong. I think it is. though, And I think that's when WWE's Fox deal is up. 24. Who knows? Anyway, nonetheless, uh, that's years off yet, but right now, WWE have to deal with the squabbling. uh Moving along, I do have an ultra chat that I want to read out in a minute, and you can get one in to wrestletalk.com forward slash wrestling daily, and the mod mother will let us put it on the show. So please do get in touch. We would love to have you. Thumbs up, subscribe. We've been doing Great numbers recently on this show. It's been steadily improving. We're very grateful for all of your custom. So please, long may it continue. Thumbs up. Help that goddamn algorithm. And subscribe (laughs) while you're here. We're so close to uh, 12,500, which is a great number. So thank you very much, guys. Uh, We would love to have you be a part of the show. And don't forget, if you want to become a proper good egg, like Lizzie Stallion, like Matty, like Breeze, Joshi, and many others, in the chat today, Matthew Ledesma as well. Uh, you can do that right next to this video. It tells you how and get involved. And uh, we're g- hopefully we're going to have some cool plans coming up for members beyond the emotes and things of that nature. So make sure you get involved. Become the good eggs we hold so dear on this show. Steph, let's get to this ultra chat first. It's from Matty, the hot Scott mm-hmm. himself. Hey, Alex and Steph, I'm back. Oh, hey, Matty. He's back. Yes, Uh been really busy. I'm sure you have. Uh, Alex, still no word from Spoon. That's right. He had a uh, job interview at Weatherspoons. Go you, mate. Uh, Pumpkin AW is so good. Uh, that Pop, holy shit. Uh, SummerSlam was all right. I'd probably agree. Smackdown tomorrow will be good. Can't wait for All Out. There's just a lot of points here. Steph, can you guide us through... Your DVD shelf. What's your favourite? They look like books to me, but, um, yeah. What's your favourite, Steph? You,
0: can you guide us through my what, sorry? He my called shelf?
1: it a, a DVD shelf, but I well, think they're books. books. Yes.
0: Yes, sure, I will. I know, I've been waiting for someone to ask. Uh, okay, <laughs> you can. Right at the end, uh, so this is all Jericho once here. So I've got a lion's tail, best in the world, no is a four-letter word. Uh, the Complete List of Jericho, um, excellent book, his most recent release. Um, I've got the Daniel Bryan Yes book. I've got uh, Brian Alvarez Death of WCW, The Hardcore Diaries, Jerry Lawler's autobiography, a biography on Gorgeous George, uh, mm. Sex, Lies and Headlocks, uh, a classic, uh, Missy Hyatt's autobiography, Wrestling Babylon, Sonny's autobiography, oh. Bret Hart's autobiography, uh, Mankind's, and Rick Flair's?
1: I have. I would say maybe precisely half of those. I've got the Daniel Bryan one. Have all the mankind McFoley ones, and I have all the Jericho ones. Uh, did I say Brett? Do you Hart have the one?
0: complete list.
1: I I don't no I don't have that one actually I don't I've got all of the you know the proper ones come on now um, the you
0: proper know. ones this you know what proper. I mean, Steph.
1: Telling his story. Yeah, the, old,
0: the old ones. <laughs> yeah,
1: there you go. Uh, I I thought the Lion's Tale was my favourite one. Uh, well, like when he yeah, first yeah. gets the WWE, it's excellent. Um, and the Bret Hart autobiography is also really good because he's just yeah. so frank, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, that's an awesome collection, Steph. I like it. What, what else we got on this shelf? We've got a hat, we've got a belt, a, we've a, got, um,
0: a hat, a picture of Axel Rose you can't see. Uh, my name, this is Daryl Hiromu's cat. Right, Daryl. Uh, we have a women's title hidden, a small NXT title, an AEW title, a Kenny Omega figure that I got last week that yeah. I showed you last week, a Darby Allen figure. Um, uh, yeah, that's like all that can be seen. A Bullet Club scarf here that um my ah. got me in Japan. So, yeah.
1: He got you in Japan.
0: Yes. My brother went to Japan and he bought me back a Bullet Club scarf and a Bullet Club t shirt a
1: couple of years Even ago. Even cooler. I was delighted. I like that. <laughs> You remember, guys, if you want to get involved, you can do that. WrestleTalk.com forward slash Wrestling Daily. Like, subscribe, be a good egg. Uh, with that, let's get on to AEW Dynamite. Let's talk about what we like to talk about here on these Thursday shows. We tend to go chronologically, Steph, so I'm going to try and do that again here. So we go kick the off with Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy. Um I think you've been fairly outspoken. You don't think Matt Hardy's had the greatest AEW run thus far. Uh, What did you make of this opener for Matt? Of course, Orange got the victory. Um, hmm?
0: Yeah, so um, I think that uh, there was – this is an interesting dynamite, and this dynamite wasn't booked how I would have booked this dynamite given what we were coming off on uh, that happening man page. I totally get putting Orange Cassidy out there. I think like this, this dynamite should have been booked with the idea that we're going to have a lot of audience, but we might have a lot of new fans. So I think it's really like cool to put Orange Cassidy out there because he's kind of, he's someone that jumps off the screen. I think he's cool to young people that you want to attract because he's quirky and he's different. I do get putting on like a recognizable name, a WWE name but Matt Hardy would have been the last name I would have picked. Um, I would not have opened the show with Matt Hardy. I don't think this was very good at all. Uh, I don't think the Matt Hardy stick works uh, at all. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. they didn't even have like the whole thing about Matt Hardy recently is, you know, he has the whole huge Hardy family office that I'm I'm not a fan of this, like least favorite faction, but he, he didn't even have them out with him and, Cassie didn't have the best friends so there wasn't even any kind of elements of entertainment going on outside the ring or anything so I just felt like this fell flat as an opener um I would have switched out Matt Hardy for someone slash anyone else really uh in this position yeah sorry Matt Hardy I
1: know <laughs> it feels yeah.
0: so bad but sorry
1: I'm kind of the same like that's kind of how I feel like because I like Matt Hardy and obviously a long-term fan but I just I don't know if things are really clicking for him in AW. I don't think, uh, he's not like detracting from it or anything like that, but he's not really bringing anything to it either. And if the talent pool is becoming so fierce, I think there's less and less room for what Matt is really doing on the card, which isn't much. Um, And he can, I do feel like creatively he can bring a lot to the table and perhaps we've kind of been robbed because the pandemic, changed how he was going to be presented and brought in and you know i don't know if that would have worked anyway but we'll never know now do you know what i mean because he had to switch it up
0: i think the problem is so matt matt had a career um renaissance from doing the broken matt gimmick and storyline um which It's not really a a character that can be long lasting and thank God we don't have it in AEW, but it was fun when it started and he was doing stuff with Jeff. Then he got his big return to WWE with Jeff and they could be the Hardy Boys and that was great because we were all excited to see them back together as the Hardy Boys. And then he landed in AEW and he tried the broken mat stuff at the beginning and it it just didn't work like at all i think his best the best thing he's ever been a part of was just the fact that he was in the first ever stadium stampede but i think that was just happenstance that they put matt hardy in there like rather than anything else and then he decided to do like a complete turn to be this you know greedy businessman character that it's just it's just bad like he executes it badly i i think and it's just not working you know it's just, sorry, Matt. It's just not <laughs> working. Matt. So's. So's Matt. I'm sorry. I mean, I've said worse things about other people, but I, I do feel bad saying this about Matt Hardy, but it's it's not working. Um, but you know what? You can never predict the future. And when Tony signed Matt Hardy, he had probably had no idea the other options he would have had.
1: Oh, God, yeah. How things have yeah. changed. <laughs> How yeah. things have changed since then. Yeah. Um... Well, yeah, I, like I said, I still think Matt has a lot to bring to the table, maybe in different capacities eventually. Like, I'm sure when Matt's in-ring career is done, he's going to be very very, very valuable somewhere um, in some capacity. I just don't know exactly how that's going to manifest just yet, but I, I still believe that he's a, a very good creative mind. So hopefully he puts it together somehow to benefit people actually on TV. That would be good. Um, moving along. Chris Jericho came out. And he had a a little say and it was a lot of us, what we expected really that the only way he could really goad MJF into another match is to put his career on the line. If he loses, he'll just be a commentator in AEW, no more in ring stuff in AEW, which was stressed quite a lot, which I wondered if it meant anything. They kept going in AEW and I was thinking, "Hmm." but uh, who knows if that means he's going to have a run in Japan or something. I, I really don't know. But either way, MJF eventually comes out and accepts and he says, you know, I've hit you three times. I'm going to do it again. The only thing to tempt me is saying, yeah, it's cool to make Jericho tap out, but it's you know legendary to retire him. I mean, I'm a little bit conflicted because I feel like Jericho kind of has to win, which pretty much undoes all of the work, in my opinion, of what you've just done for MJF. Like the end of that feud could have been last week. Jericho would have been fine, MJF would have been a lot the richer for it. I'm just wondering, Steph, like, what's the arc at this point? Like, where are we heading?
0: Well, I think firstly, I think we're heading to Jericho victory. Uh, I think he is going to be MJF. Um, I think that he stressed the NAW thing. Um, just to try and make it all more believable that he would retire
1: yeah. because
0: I think there's people who aren't as like up on things that will watch that and say, oh, he could go to WWE or something, you know, um, uh, especially since we saw like that really daft Roman Reigns leaving stipulation that was added on before SummerSlam for no reason. Uh, I like, I always think this, this could have been like a slight dig at that, um, but then there's a, there's some other people that think that he could leave because they think his contract's up soon, but apparently it's not. So anyway. Um, but I think that... I don't think it, it will hurt MJF at all, like Jericho getting that one final victory over him. I don't envision him getting a clean victory over MJF. And I think that's maybe why in um, a lot of his matches, including the one he had with MJF last week, he's been using... baseball bat which is like so heelish but we let him away with it you know like Ah. using a weapon so I don't expect him to just get a clean victory over MJF I don't expect MJF to tap out or something but I think he he will do something to like outsmart MJF so in the end he can do like a a, almost like Ric Flair-esque you know I'm still like the dirtiest player in the game type um you know way to like taunt him lovable way and I think yeah, I think MJF will be fine, um, and especially if the match sets up like something else for MJF to move straight into. So like maybe there's a Wardlow thing, or maybe it's Wardlow's fault that he loses, and then we like finally kick that off. Um, mm. and then once it ends, you know, Jericho could just be like, "Look, I've still got a lot left in me. I I vanquished the guy that was trying to like put me, put me in the ground like wrestling was, and MJF can." can say that Chris's victory wasn't you know honest or whatever but he can move on too but I've enjoyed this feud so much it's been one of my favorite like feuds and I'm glad it's continued and I'm glad we're getting this match and I expected him to put his career on the line of course and I think yeah. it's a good time to do it because like also with him having this job in Rampage at least we know like he has another job so it does seem believable as well and He's got all the stuff with Fozzie too. So I liked yeah. it. I thought this is a good promo by MJF as well. I think MJF's oh. promos have got, gotten better when we've been on the road. Like Not that they were ever bad, but I felt sometimes when it was just Daly's place, he was kind of missing something that he had at the beginning. And now he's back in front of different audiences that can really react to him. He's getting like back up to where he was at the beginning.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. For, for me, like again, I've enjoyed it and I love both performers. So I'm not, you know, I'm not like turning my nose up at another match or anything. I just wonder if kind of takes the shine away from like maybe the guy who should have got the, def- you know, the definite victory here would have been MJF, you know, the blow off victory. But at the same time, yeah. I guess Jericho's the face. Uh, I don't know. Um, I just felt so kind of good about it last week. You know, Jericho looked great kind of doing everything that he'd done. To get to where he did and then yeah. mjf in true cheating fashion you know uh well not cheating but he stacked the deck again
0: no but i felt like so a lot of people i heard say like once we had the match last week like so that's the feud over and i was watching like of course that's not the feud over like of course they're having another match so i was um the fact that he tapped out uh I, like, I get, you know, putting MJF over and giving MJF the victory, but I certainly, like, I wasn't comfortable with the top out, like a, a top out on the record there. So I want to see them again, again. And I don't think he's going to get a clean victory, but I think he's definitely going to win.
1: Interesting. Uh, moving along in AEW, of course, next was the Lucha Bros taking on the Varsity Blondes for a place in the final against Jungle Express. For a place to face the young bucks in a cage match at all out, and I think a lot of us could have presumed, even though the varsity blondes were very highly ranked, that the lucha bros would come out uh, on top on this one. It's uh, you know, it's interesting that, like, uh, I we're looking at this, the shenanigans is what we'll call them, Steph, that, that unfolded kind of after the match, you know, and there's like Drastic Express and the young, you know, the Bucks and the Good Brothers and that kind of feels like they're going to go back to Drastic Express. But like my. I would prefer the Lucha Brothers to face them personally, like I, I maybe that's kind of like setting the story at the side, but I just, I don't know, from an action perspective, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to see that again.
0: I think it's going to be Jurassic Express. I think because of Jungle Boy. It, Jungle Boy is hot at the minute. It, he's mm-hmm. always been hot, but they're giving him more stuff. And they have to, I think, give him a championship. So I could see Jurassic Express beating the Young Bucks to give Jungle Boy a championship without like giving him the TNT or something. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the Lucha Brothers, we both love the Lucha, Lucha Brothers, but they have not been booked properly as a tag team in so so long. Um they're the whole death triangle thing and Andrade and everything, it's all makes you kind of forget that they are a tag team. So kind yeah. of putting them in the spot of like the victors here for the pay-per-view um just seems I mean we're only gonna have a week to build this when we find out the winner. So I think it's more likely it's gonna be Jurassic Express. Um but I think as far as this match went, it was fine, but I'm not sure that, like, the Varsity Blondes are really good, but they're still green as a tag team. And I'm not sure that they gel very well with the Lucha the Bros who aren't the most traditional of workers. I don't think that Varsity Blondes are kind of, have the instincts yet to work with a team like Lucha Brothers, who, like, dictate their own kind of unique match, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um... And I think that's the, the funny thing, because like I said, it's the fresher matchup to me. But I get yeah. it that all the story is kind of laden in with uh, Jurassic Express. That's one of the dinosaurs, the toys. Um, it, it's all in with that, so I understand. But I guess, like, if you run it back, to Jurassic Express have to win? You presumably, because we've just seen it play out the other week where they didn't. Yeah,
0: I don't know if they have to win, but I think that they're the team that people would buy winning the most, just because this has been built up and because Jungle Boy's Jungle Boy. Um, I mean, this Young Bucks title win—it's been good, but it's been lengthy, and I wish that you know Santana and Ortiz were getting into this mix, and maybe they can after their match with FTR next week, and maybe just taking the belts off the Young Bucks might open things up a bit more in the tag division um, and stop having it linked to to Kenny's storyline all the time.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting with the Young Bucks, like because there is a lot of possibilities for people to go against them. But at the same time, they're so kind of dominant right now as part of the Super Elite. Uh, mm, yeah. It's hard to see where it's going to come from. Uh, next up, Red Velvet was taking on Jamie Hayter in Jamie's first kind of comeback match, as it were, in AEW. Um I think from the get go we always knew this was going to be a showcase for Hater of course. Um and she did pick up the victory after the match Chris Statlander hits the ring, runs the heels off, um which basically just kind of gives us a bit more juice on the Baker Statlander rivalry which looks like it's heading for all out. Um what do you think about everything here? Jamie Hater's return. I mean god she just she looks aesthetically great. Right, what <laughs> tremendous shape she's in um, and Baker Stutlander being for All Out
0: um, I think Jamie looked uh, awesome and she had an awesome performance uh, Red Velvet not so much this was not her best night um, in AEW so far um, but it's just it's so hard with Britt because she just gets that face reaction every time and if I could have picked anyone to put her up against it would have been Chris Atlander because I kind of had faith that people would cheer Chris Statlander for being a lovable alien but you put up against Britt Baker and people still want to cheer Britt Baker like there's nothing you can do so um I think like it will be a good match but it's not one where I believe that the outcome is going to be anything other than Britt Baker retaining because she's on like this amazing hot streak and you could not po- possibly like take the title off her or put the brakes off her and in, in any way and um the as far as like the build to this match, I'm, I'm not sure that there's been much of a build at all, other than them facing off with each other like twice or so. Um, it's another one where the story isn't there, but the match should be fine, and people love Brit so much that the crowd will be hot for it anyway.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, it's, that's the incredible thing. Satland is like unbeaten in AEW, yeah. um, and I know she was out for a long time, so kind of. You know, by default, maybe in some ways, but they've still kind of protected her a lot. Being aligned with best friends is sure to give yeah. you know, give her a decent reaction, perhaps. But to me, it just seems like a plausible incredible challenger where you know Brit's gonna retain. Um, look to me, I don't see Brit dropping to anyone, not named Thunder Rosa or eventually Jade Cargill. That's just that's just the fact of the matter. Um this present roster anyway. So yeah. I I think moving forward, Brit is safe champion for now. Uh, After this, Mm -hmm. CM Punk. He would speak his first words on Dynamite. Yes, that's right. Something we thought we wouldn't say. But here he is. CM Punk is giving out his first promo. Um, It it wasn't like obviously a groundbreaking promo, but this is just his first one back. And I thought what he did do, he delivered well. Um, You know, he spoke about some of the young talent uh, mm-hmm. He did it with Tony Shavoni as well, which is always cool. Um, you know, he mentioned some of the people that he wanted to work with. And he said it's more about like proving himself right rather than proving people wrong, which I thought, you know, is an interesting insight into his motivations. What did you make of the CM Punk? You know, presumably there's a lot of people who tuned in just to hear Punk, right? Just to see what yeah. he was saying. What did you make of it?
0: Uh, another great punk promo. I mean, he's so great on the mic, and uh that's one thing I've missed about him so, so much. Um, it's really cool because this like match that they set up between punk and Darby, like, there's no feud, there's no beef, and it'll be interesting to see what punk is like when he gets into his first actual AW feud. Um, so this was the best possible like angle that he can go go for like picking the young guy that he sees himself in the guy that and him saying, no, I would have been a fan of Darby when I was 15. I see myself in you like pointing out all the similarities. Um, Cause there are so many similarities and seeing people that liked punk are going to like Darby. And then just, you know, putting it out there that he's been away for so long, like who knows if we can still go, we have no idea what he's going to be like in the uh-huh. ring since we've seen nothing from him and just making that part of the story. Um, it you know, it feels like he he is probably gonna beat Darby just because it's his first match back and it'd be really be almost weird to see CM Punk lose. But then there is like a kind of doubt that can be brought in there by saying like if he does lose, he can kind of cover for it by, you know, saying, I, I wasn't ready. But yeah, it's it was good and it's the best thing that they can they can do with it. And he was great as always. The reactions he gets. Are gonna be huge for the next—I don't know, like how long? Because every city he goes to, it will be people seeing Punk for the first time in seven years, and it's gonna just be awesome to see him every week. It was surreal watching him on Dynamite; like he's actually a part of the monster yeah. now. It's so—it's so weird. Like you know, I'm still not over Sting being on every week. <laughs> I'm still not over that. I—I don't, I don't know how I'm gonna ever get over Punk being on every week
1: it feels so weird like to think you know like when you see sting there every week and i know he only wrestles sporadically or whatever but like why do wwe do what they do with the whole oh we we'll just have you on every now and again like i know they look at it like oh it's special attraction you know like heart you know absence makes the heart grow fonder, or keep them special but I, I don't know if i've ever really subscribed to that feeling they're just
0: idiots like <laughs> they're just like idiots that have no respect for people and their legacy i mean they get a legend and what do they do like they embarrass them and get them killed anyway so like who cares like this is it's super nice seeing sting every week it warms my heart and reminds me of being a child like uh, wwe wouldn't you know use a legend like that i'm surprised how how nicely they use ted di
1: <laughs> well that's nxt it's different right Crasher forever has an ultra chat and he says my friend watched AEW for the first time after seeing punk return his words were how do you watch that bunch of nobodies every week what an episode to show after punk debuts cluster of women's match uh cluster of a women's match jobbers galore matches that should be on dark i mean I, to be to be fair to get crasher forever and his point here It's not the strongest Dynamite any of us have ever seen. I think we can all agree on that. It wasn't like an A show or anything like, you know, it wasn't the best they have put out there. I don't think it was awful, but at the same time, I understand. I've seen a lot of that same criticism on Twitter and everywhere today, like following up on the CM Punk magic, you probably have to bring it. And did they really bring it the way we know AW can? You could definitely argue not.
0: this wasn't their best show and they didn't bring it Um, I do like I don't like their like how do you watch this bunch of nobodies like that's a stupid comment Uh, how are they ever going to be somebody's unless you've put them on TV I mean the whole problem with WWE is that they don't build up stars and I think this episode of Dynamite um, I don't think it was a strong Dynamite at all as I said at the beginning it's not the Dynamite that I would have put on but then I also feel bad because I sit here saying like push you know new stars this is why I love AEW like they're letting you get invested in new people they showcase new people and so they took like what could be their biggest dynamite ever and said like hey you new people you can all have a spot on it and then we're watching it being like oh you should have (laughs) put you should have put different people on the show uh so that's the problem like You walk a fine line um, and they didn't get the balance right. They did not get it right this week. What All it needed was one hot match. And it really should have had like a epic Young Bucks match on the show, which of course wouldn't have worked with this Eliminator storyline, but it needed something like that. It needed like that one great wrestling match where you can like forget about everything else. So you have one match that you're talking about the next day. And then you can also say, and oh my gosh, CM Punk spoke. Jericho put his career on the line. You know stuff like that, but it just didn't have that one match hook. And I mm. think that they the the problem, like I think the kind of not the I don't want to say the worst part, but one of their biggest mistakes was having the match with Moxie and Darby in it and having the the opponents be the wingmen. Because I think if you'd done that with uh 2.0 and Daniel Garcia again, um it would have been like a lot better. The wingmen weren't were not the men. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to, to put on
0: in that spot
1: um well let's talk about um, that match because because that's what comes next it's john moxley darby yeah. allen eddie kingston my my favorite stable that isn't um against the wingmen which is jd drake cesar Bononi, and ryan nemeth of course brother of dolph ziggler um un, unsurprisingly alan moxley and kingston pick up the victory uh after the match it's daniel garcia that attacks alan it's not punk yeah. getting the heat it's daniel garcia um so really, that's the main takeaways from this. It was cool to get your Moxley's and, you know, Sting and whatever, like all of those guys on TV. Um, but I think there are some merits to what you just said. Like the 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 opponents have like no heat at all, really, yeah. for, you know, to, to coin a wrestling term. So I feel like the foregone conclusion of it all and just it's pretty formulaic. I don't know. I don't know if that really was the best use of either uh, any man. In that match, to be honest,
0: no, there's so many other people I would have put in that spot like throwing out random names, like putting like a private party to do something good, putting Dante Martin back out there, you know, like just other like teams or complete randomly thrown together people that I think would have come off better on TV than the wingmen. Who, no offense to the wingmen, but it, it's a very dark act like it, it's not a top level act um the outfits everything about it um the look it, it's just it doesn't if this was wwe it does not scream me and roster you know and they just they weren't the guys they should go they need to go back to waiting in the rings it was not their time last night to be out there
1: mm. I mean, yeah, more more for Tony Khan, giving them the chance and stuff. But yeah, either. I know.
0: It's like it's super sweet. It's super sweet. <laughs> it just didn't hit. It didn't, yeah. It didn't. It but did maybe, not. you know what? Maybe CM Punk was backstage booking the show, saying, I want to <laughs> see all these these guys get a shot in the big, night. Them up. you know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, after that, we've got the next chapter in the Christian Cage, Kenny Omega story. Kenny comes to the ring to cut a promo. Before he can, Christian Cage makes his way out um a bit of a verbal back and forth that finishes with a beat down for Christian, but Frankie Kazarian, being the elite hunter that he is uh comes and makes the save um again it was it was it was like good, but like nothing really happened Does that make sense like it was it was i i it was fine to watch it just nothing really was pushed forward
0: um I thought this was a really, really good exchange. It is freaking bizarre that they are basing this storyline on (laughs) Don Callis. So for people that don't get it, Don Callis booked Christian in his first ever uh, match in Winnipeg and then didn't want to book him again. Mm. And the reason being that Christian was really good but Kenny Omega was 10 years old at the time and Don Callis didn't want to continue booking the adult Christian because oh. he had Kenny, a 10-year-old Kenny Omega waiting in the wings.
1: Precocious it is an absolutely
0: bizarre, bizarre storyline of like it, it, this would be totally fine if Kenny was like was 17 and was like a year away from making his debut or something. But like Kenny was 10. So it's a crazy storyline, which gave us some excellent old footage, like look yeah. at what Christian used to look like and look at what Don Callis used to look like. He, he looked like Bret Hart um, as a young man with hair, but <laughs> it's so bizarre that I love it. And they had some really funny lines, such as Don taking off his scarf and saying, hold my scarf. Kenny saying, you think you know me, uh, getting a, yeah. an Edge reference in there. So I thought this was really good. Um, And I just love that <laughs> your, let's call it your main event angle, because it's for the world title.
1: Yeah.
0: Your main event angle revolves around something that happened. Over 20 years ago in Winnipeg, involving a yet as then unknown Christian and a 10 year old Kenny
1: Omega. <laughs> I mean, if WWE did this, they'd be crucified. People would be going, What the hell? Like, uh, and I'm laughing at it. I
0: don't, I don't think so because WWE make up some like really stupid storylines, but sure. these guys have sat and they've looked deep into their history and thought. Do <laughs> deep how like what's our what's our connection and the connection happens to be that christian wrestled in winnipeg when kenny was allegedly 10 because i don't think the math actually works on that Uh, but that's what they found is their like common thing like they haven't made up something new of why they hate each other it's like (laughs) 10 year old kenny (laughs) prevented christian's rise in the winnipeg territory amazing
1: Wow. Uh <laughs> moving along from this age-old story. Uh next we had the trios match of the gun club and the factory. Um for those unaware, the we're talking Aaron Solo, Nick Camaroto, um, and that's Cutie Marshall's faction. Uh, against Billy, Colton and Austin Gunn. The gun club got the win. Um, you know, pretty much capitalizing on the distraction from <laughs> Paul White in commentary uh, I mean I don't have a lot of good things to say I mean uh could QT Marshall not have done with a win here you know what I mean like for for a semblance of hope against Paul White could he not it's
0: so funny because every time QT gets a spot and I know this from being someone that has interviewed QT and had people comment on my interview. People do not like QT. And every time QT is on Dynamite, they say that he put himself on the run sheet. But if this is true, he books himself incredibly badly. Because <laughs> <laughs> him not getting the win here was unbelievable. Um, And also, like, sorry to say this uh, to the people involved, this is another match I wouldn't have had on tonight. Um, Tonight wasn't the night for Aaron Solo and and Nick Comerano, and it also wasn't the night for the Gun Club. I'm sure quite a few, like, new viewers were like, oh, my gosh, that's Billy Gunn. Why is he a giant now
1: with two (laughs) miniature versions?
0: Uh, But this isn't one I would have put on uh, TV either. (laughs)
1: Mm, yeah, not sure. I mean, I I get it that it all out, like, uh, barring, like, a remarkable story twist that Paul White's going to annihilate him. So maybe I shouldn't care that much, but come on now. Um, Who
0: do you think's going to lose quicker, Bianca Belair or QT Marshall?
1: <laughs> oh, I've got a horrible... Oh. I feel like Paul White is going to like decimate him. If it was WWE, QT Marshall, would, he, would, he would get the victory somehow. I'm telling you right now. But, and they'd uh, do 20
0: minutes.
1: They, they would do something incredible where Paul White's made to look like the stupidest human being ever. But I don't think AEW are going to try too hard with that. Anyway, with the main event, it was, of course, Malachi Black, one of the hottest stars in AEW right now. So understandable why he'd be in that spot. Against Brock Anderson, who ostensibly is having his well his first dynamite match at the very least um on of course his father and this was all kind of retribution and uh, didn't didn't last long he, he, you know he had i liked it he had an aggressive burst to begin with you know he he went after black but again didn't last long um lee johnson making saves Steph, uh, oh, there's a lot to unpack here <laughs> with the show closing angle. Please talk us through it. This
0: is utterly bizarre as well. Um, <laughs> it really
1: was. It was
0: so was. Awesome. So firstly, I absolutely get having Malachi Black out there in the main event because he's yeah. awesome. But also, if you've never watched this, like the idea of... Aaron Anderson coming out with his supposedly young son who you look at and you know he's young but you also think he's 45 like what is kind of strange to people like just tuning in but they give this match like under five minutes it was about like six six minutes to go by the time they got it started you knew that Bach was going to get like completely destroyed so you were just waiting for like the show closing angle which happened to be lee johnson running out to make the save lee johnson who had the audacity to ask for his music to be played before he made the save which <laughs> did nothing to help his reception because nobody knew he was coming not even jim Ross, who tried to sign off the show and it was like no wait someone's coming <laughs> they're playing their music um so i thought i, I thought this was such a weak ending and it was funny as well because Malachi Black, like Lee Johnson got in and he was just like, well, whatever, I'm going home. And that made it seem like Malachi Black didn't even know nor care who Lee Johnson was either. So he couldn't have made less of an impact. Like he saved the guy five minutes too late. Um, with absolute, <laughs> He didn't even save him, like nothing. Um, yeah, I, I mean... They just could have ended on something stronger. I, like, I wouldn't say bring Cody back, but my gosh, even getting Dustin Rhodes to do the, their run-in and face off with Malachi Black would have been um, preferable than this. I just kind of feel like Brock Anderson got murdered for no reason.
1: Yeah. I don't have too much <laughs> to add. And
0: like, the visual as they ended of Aaron on the floor after taking like couple of low shots it was just such a weird way to end the show
1: i mean yeah i, I so i guess the, the connection here i see a couple of people talking about it like wiley johnson of, like he's part of the nightmare family no, but
0: we know who he is we get it but it wasn't important or impactful enough to end the show
1: no uh, i mean i'll be very interested to see what number dynamite does but like mm-hmm uh it it was a huge chance to really you know put a balls to the wall show on and they're only two out from all out i have every faith next week will be a really hot go home show
0: yeah but like me too.
1: as far I think I think since they moved back from you know when they had the the run of, of weekend shows I think this is yeah. the worst dynamite I've seen since then. Oh and, yeah. and, yeah. and I still use that like you know it's not like it was like raw tough to watch, right? No, <laughs> it wasn't like, the like three a hours there. Bad
0: dynamite is still good dynamite, you know.
1: Yeah, it's but it's still, yeah, again, for, for what for the standards that dynamite have set, basically, is what I'm saying. It yeah. uh it wasn't it wasn't great, but alas, we move forward. Uh Steph Chase, talk to the people about where they can find you this week, what content you got coming on, let the people know.
0: Um, You can find me on YouTube at Stephanie Chase Wrestling and I'll be going live in just over an hour to do AW Weekly where I will run through Dynamite. I'm doing it on a Thursday night because there's just not enough space between Dynamite and Rampage, you know, like there's really not. So I'm going to be doing it tonight um, just after 10 um, and yes, yeah, stay tuned to my Twitter at Stephanie MTS where I'll be announcing all the stuff I'm doing um, in the run up to All Out for All Out week, um, which will be starting on Monday. And if you live in London, come watch All Out with me because I'll be hosting Hooked On Wrestling's All Out viewing party in London and you can get your tickets for that.
1: Awesome. Look, Steph Chase is everywhere, guys. She's everywhere. But she's always here on Thursdays on Resting Daily. So make sure you stop by when we have Steph and every other day of the week. All the shows we've got coming up for you. Give us a thumbs up, a subscribe, and you can see SB3 is sat. We all spread the days. And I'll be here tomorrow with a special guest that I will let you know on Twitter. I'm still just waiting for them to get back to my inbox. That's the truth. But they said they would, so I don't want to confirm and get it wrong. But anyway, thank you very much to everyone who tuned in tonight. Uh, I've been Alex McCarthy. That is Steph Chase, and we will see you next time. Bye bye.